Hey there, and welcome to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast, serving up stories and knowledge on Dynamics 365 and the Power Platform. This is what's hot in Dynamics. You're now joining Merlin Schweiger, Liz McGlennon, and Ashley Steiner. So thanks everyone for joining us today. You can see we have a guest with us again. Um, we're pretty excited to have Matt Beard with us. He works at Data8 as the development team leader, um, which is a really fun title, kind of a jack of all trades. We'll have Matt tell us more about that, but Matt is also an MVP. Uh, so we're really excited to have Matt here today to talk more just about himself, um, Data8, and then also predominantly Scottish Summit, uh, introduce everyone to that. So thanks, Matt, for joining us. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, my name is Matt Beard. I am the uh, development team leader. Data8, I've been there for a, a decade now, so I've been there for a long time. I accidentally found my way into Dynamics CRM when it was a thing, and then it sort of snowballed into what it's become today. Big community advocate that hopefully will come across at some point today, and sort of decided to take the step up from just being a community member to a bit of a leader and trying to bring people together, in a, and especially even more so in a well, not post-pandemic, but in a pandemic world and hopefully a post-pandemic world. Someday. Yes, fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> it feels like over here, so there's nothing, there's, we have no restrictions at the time of recording, so it feels a bit post-pandemic, but who knows? Yeah, I think it'll be post-pandemic for me when like they get rid of the mask mandate for travel, because I would say we don't have any restrictions here either, but... Okay. I feel like that's when we'll feel, I don't know, for me anyways, but so, so Matt, we're excited to talk about Scottish Summit today. Tell us more about Scottish Summit, how you got involved with it. I'll stop there. Otherwise I'm going to start asking like a million questions and you're not going to know where to start. No, it's fine. To be honest, I'll probably end up talking too long for these bits. So if there's specific questions or if missed parts, interrupt me, it's fine. Um, so Scottish Summit, I think is going into its fourth year now, although one of the years was virtual, um, as you can imagine. Um, ran in Glasgow, Scotland, so nowhere near where I live. Um, 10th and 11th of June, so rescheduled from what was originally supposed to be end of February um, due to the Omicron variant that we postponed it at the short notice. Um, and it's it, it, it's designed to be a, a bigger event. Um, we have often been to Dynamics-specific events, um, be it the the user group summits in America or user groups locally. And they're often very much focused for us and I guess the people that you regularly speak to within Dynamics. Um, however, Microsoft, as we know, is much bigger than that. There is an entire Azure platform. There is Azure MVPs. There is an incredible Azure user group and things like that. So whilst our expertise and my expertise is, is not necessarily outside of the, the power platform area, um, the event that we're running has a wider focus. So it's generally anything to do with microsoft um is at the event i mean last year we even had an xbox track for example so we tried really to cool. yeah so um we tried to widen that and i somehow managed to get the we had some good speakers so we had uh, like john levesque was talking i think brian dang was about and was doing a talk so all the people that you associate with power apps and a bit of games and stuff sort of came across to the xbox track as well i did a cool little talk which was control on my Xbox with Power Automate. So bringing Xbox together with Power Automate and those sorts of things. So yeah, I think it's designed to show that even though we all have our little areas within the Microsoft technologies, they do all talk to one another and 
if you were to draw this Venn diagram of what links with what, actually, I think people do more than they give themselves credit for. And I think it's that. So, yeah, it's uh, I think we've got 12, 12 concurrent sessions on at a time, I think it is, across two days. So it's a fairly large event. Um, and in fact, if, if, if you watch the video of this and you see it, there is a little thing that you will see the time in the UK. What you'll also see there is tickets that we've got of attendees and also the amount that we've raised for charity so far. So that will get you'll get a real time ticker of how much we're raising for charity as we're doing. And bear in mind, the event is months away yet. I think we've already hit £5,000. So it's nice to see. So, yeah, I think that's a, a long answer of it's a wide Microsoft event with a bit of a spin on it. Yeah, so that brings me, I guess, to so many questions, but really interested in that charity donation that you guys, how do you raise the money for that? Is it just a part of the registration goes to that or is it separate? So so this year, so one of the things that as a as an organizer for events, I understand people need to drop out of events and they're a long time away. And even in a pandemic world, people are going to need to drop out uh, at the last minute. But one of the things that we wanted to do was when people do get a ticket, I don't want is to lose 20% of our audience on the day and then the 20% that could have come from those dropout tickets lose the chance to go because ultimately there is a capacity and we need to try and bear that in mind. So we we tried to be, I think, I don't know of any other event that tried to do um, an optional, an entirely optional uh, charitable donation to get a ticket to see if that impacts no on-the-day no-shows, which means we can get the event to more people. Because if people have paid, they might feel like they want to go more. Um, we don't know. We're sort of doing this real time, ex- this real time experiment for science. And worst case scenario is they still no show and charity gets some money. So I don't necessarily see a bad turnout for it. So on the day, more money will be raised. Microsoft are always fantastic in their um, donations, and they they will often match things on the day and all sorts of stuff. So there is um, extra things on the day available. And if anybody knows Mark Christie, who's one of the organisers, um, one of the original organisers, he is renowned for his swag game. So he will often promote the swag and promote the swag and promote the swag and then say, well, for a charitable donation, you can have some and whatever. I mean, there you go. You can see that I've got a Scottish Summit trucker's cap for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, that's the other area. So we try and give back a bit as well at the same time because it's nice. So last, I think last year was the Scottish Association for Mental Health got um, a donation and this year I think we're doing homelessness in Scotland I think I might get that wrong but I, I think it's a homelessness charity that's awesome on it you know like giving back and especially to the local communities um, in Scotland yeah so yeah. I mean if, if you're listening to this and you this is entirely optional there is no judgment everyone's lives are different if you want to give a pound great if you don't want to give anything that's also absolutely no problem we are giving this for free um we just thought it's a nice option for somebody to do something if they wish to, um, but never let that put you off wanting to get a ticket just to reiterate to anybody that does listen to that. Yeah, that is a really good idea. Um, and I like, I like that you're sort of tying in that concept of that people are more likely to show up for something if they've paid money for it. Um, which I know can be kind of a concern with free events is well, it's free. So it doesn't, doesn't mean anything if I just don't show up mm-hmm. um, but then at the same time like still actually providing that content for free so that it's not a barrier to get to it um, yeah we I mean we we, yeah. we owned an art about this for a long time I mean yeah w- w- there were six of us talking about it some were passionate that they didn't want to do it some passionate they did um, we debated charging people for lunch instead we debated all sorts of little options and we eventually thought that well look let's make a 
a pound donation as the minimum on Eventbrite. We can give people uh, free codes if they need it and see what happens. And we can't say we've seen a reduction in the uptake of tickets. So we assume at this point it seems to be, everyone seems to be okay with it. Um, and in fact, what it's shown is that whilst we're never going to publicly uh, name and shame or congratulate people or any of these things, um, some people are incredibly generous. Um, the things you see is, is amazing. Um, it's selfless. Fine. I, if, if I really want to dig into it, I could find out who did what, but I have no intention of doing that, which means that the people that donate are entirely selfless in what they're doing because they're not going to get the credit for it. And I think that speaks volumes for the community as well, to be honest. Have you taken this approach since the beginning, like the first Scottish Summit, or is this something you you added in at some point? This is the first one. This is the first oh, one we've okay. tried. This is the first one we tried this with. Okay. Um, yeah, there was. We we always try and do. I say we. This is the first one I've been involved in properly. Um, but the event itself, as I've been more and more involved with it over the four years, has tried to do something different every time. Um. Uh, so for example last time when we went virtual we had like again i think 10 virtual tracks on a custom stream platform that streamed on youtube and twitch and something else all at the same time so it wasn't just a team's call so that was an undertaking in itself this one yeah we tried to introduce a bit this charity side of it and we also have a virtual reality streaming session so for people in uh, abroad that cannot make it um we have an alt space scottish summit world that you can actually go and walk around a virtual Scottish summit and you can, if you've played with that space, it's that sort of thing. So you can go around and the sponsor, the expo, the sponsors have booths in the uh, VR world and some of the sessions will be live streamed. So you were literally in virtual reality, have to walk to the room that the talk is in and sit in a virtual room and watch a presentation. That's so cool. This, wow. I mean, if it all works, right? I mean, we're, uh, not to say we've bit off more than we can chew, and it's the first time I think anybody's tried it quite to this level. We've got one of the companies coming in is responsible for the um, the Scottish Premier League football and how they stream it online. So there's a company coming in to take over the streaming. So this isn't this isn't us doing the streaming. This is us paying professionals to integrate it properly. So we'll hopefully see a a slightly better quality talk than a just a, a team's call, which I'll find in itself. I'm not knocking them, but we just try and take that electric jump and look, if, if they could crash and burn, who knows? But at least we can say we tried. Sounds good. Do I need a VR headset to attend this VR world? I assume that I must. Um, no, so you can do if you if you want to, but I think there is just a normal sort of desktop app of vault space that you can walk around. I think it's a bit like The Sims, essentially that you can walk around and see that stuff. So it's there if you want to do that. Um, I struggle with virtual reality because that's the time my wife walks in the room and says, what the heck are you doing? When I'm sort of looking around like a <laughs> lunatic. Um, <laughs> so you can if you want to, but it's not a requirement. Yeah, I think that's really cool. I mean, I think it makes it easier. I mean, obviously we're in the US, right? And so, you know, it's quite of a, I don't want to say it's quite a feat, but you know what I mean? There, there'd have to be a really obvious reason. And I think with traveling with COVID right now and the pandemic, it would be difficult uh, perhaps. So I think that giving that option to people is actually a really good idea, especially in this pandemic world that we're living in. Yeah. And we're also aware that, look, I mean, things can change, right? I mean, 
countries might decide to stop people traveling again. Um, these things could happen. So at least we've got um, a bit of a backup plan. Not everything is going to be in that world. Um, there is going to be a, a specific couple of tracks in that world, whatever. But there is a there is a fallback in place that we try to cover as many bases as we can. As we can. I have a question. So is there anything yeah. else new that you're trying this year for it? I think the one thing people have learned coming off, I keep saying pandemic, this is like, this is a hard way to ruin your podcast, keep reminding people of the worldwide madness going on, um, is that I think the use group or the event that gets hybrid right becomes the leader in what they do. I think everybody is ready for this middle ground world. And the more you can integrate them together rather than have a virtual and a real life and they don't really talk then the better i think we're just going to try new things and hopefully be one popular that leads the way and and see what happens so i think yeah we've we've got a fantastic I, I, we couldn't do this without the volunteers so the six of us organizing it i think seven actually i think a, a new like new like guy called luke is coming to help us out because there's just so much and then there is a huge volunteer list of um, I think 30, 40, 50 people just volunteering to help out on the day. So they'll have all sorts of different tasks on the day and before the event. So I think between them, that's how we can try and pull off so many things and see how it goes. Things fail miserably sometimes. I mean, we had a competition last year. There's a funny story of it's something on the lines of if you to win a competition, you have to tweet with a hashtag and something happened and it went viral and it was popping up on the screen and then people got hold of the hashtag to make stuff pop on the screen and an inappropriate picture started popping up in different places. So I'll learn this year is we need a content filter in place. So things have not worked as well as we'd like them to do in the past as well, but this isn't my job, I guess is the thing. This is me. This is my side gig essentially. If that it's my unpaid side gig that takes up far too many hours of my time. So, yeah, we all live and learn and make it wrong. And all we can do is pass on our things that work to other people. And we all want the same thing. We all like these events. We all want these communities. So if we all learn together, then eventually one day we'll get the perfect event. Well, last year you guys had a happy hour too, right? Um, a virtual happy hour? Uh, so there is a, a trivia or something? Yeah, pub so, trivia pub trivia yes there is a pub quiz that often happens that is organized by this normally the same rabble group of um brits um andy bibby trisha and mich and um uh keegan who yeah um if you've never attended one don't let that be the first community thing you do because they can be <laughs> loud um and there is alcohol involved. I mean, that was virtual. They get a bit more raucous when they're in real life as well, because there's actual real alcohol and people encourage one another. Um, so yeah, there is this, there is a pub quiz after it. That's happening again this year. Um, venue is still slightly waiting to be decided and they're just waiting on a sponsor so we can make people excited for the prizes, but that's all in the pipeline and it's just ticking boxes and we're going to get there now. So yeah, the, the pub quiz is happening. Um, and there's also a virtual hackathon, not virtual, a physical hackathon the day before as well. Yeah, I remember we attended the pub trivia last year. So I think it's funny that you're that you say like in person they get more ruckus because I was a little shocked at just like the humor and stuff. Not in a bad way, but thought it was pretty cool. There wasn't open. a lot of filtering happening. Yeah. No. <laughs> I liked how comfortable people are, clearly. And I think that shows like the strong sense of community where you really become friends with these people. So 
there's also a reason they're not recorded. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. So tell us more about like the audience. Like what kind of people are you trying to bring in with Scottish Summit? Um, you could hear my dog. This one with dog. Um, how how very 2020. 2021 um what are we trying uh, pretty much anyone to be honest um now the the track selection is very wide and the the way the tracks came about is, is a story in itself which we can get onto because that is designed to influence the people that can come so we want to try and make it as wide range as we can so having um we do have there's an entire track dedicated to new speakers for example so um, we will mentor new speakers into doing it for the first time. We'll help them with everything, just to give them that confidence and show them that it isn't as scary as they think it might be. So there is an entire track solely of new speakers. Um, there is level 100 tracks, level 200 tracks, level 300 tracks. There is pretty much everything. So if you're just an end user that wants to learn more because Microsoft churn the stuff out so fast that it's so hard to keep up, then there might just be sessions for you to just have a bit of a refresher of what's going on there's going to be super deep dives into azure and dynamics business central and marketing and all those elements of it there's all sorts of there's ultimately a bit of everything um i would say unless the height of your microsoft usage is making documents in word you would struggle to not find at least one track or at least one session that would be relevant to what you do um so we've tried not to discount anybody um and i think one of the ways we did that was uh, was the way that we did the selection i think that made a big difference so tell us more about that like how do you select the session um so the uh, this is all again down to the volunteers so one thing that i didn't know before we started to look at these events was that sessionize has a anonymous mode so you can hide names and you can not know who's giving what presentations and those sorts of things so we had a submission deadline date. Then we had a small team of volunteers that went th- that turned it anonymous, and then went through every single session. And I mean, I'm talking thousands of sessions to remove anything that could identify who was given that session the description. Because it's great making it anonymous at speaker level, but you'll often find that people will put their own names in the description and whatever. So we edited all that out first. Then it went to a wider group of people of someone in pretty much every category that they do. There's going to be developers in there. There's going to be end users in there. There's going to be um, Azure admins in there. There's going to be everything that you can think of. And they voted on every single session. You vote three at a time. So you rank one, two, and three out of three sessions. Then you do it again and again and again and again. And eventually there's some sort of sessionized algorithm that gives every session a ranking. Um, and then we pick the top ones that got the votes from there. So it's an entirely anonymous, which is nice because you often see the same faces at these things. And whilst there's a reason for that, and they're good talkers and whatnot, for other people, they it's difficult for them to see that. They would like the chance to give the presentation. So if we can remove one element of the selection process, which is the name, and don't let anybody get a session based on a name, then it's a good way of making it a bit more of a level playing field. And for me as a speaker who writes sessions, and I think I put sessions in that got declined, is it helps me 
see which ones of my sessions can be popular and which ones actually I think are good that no one cares about. Um, and it's a as we've a all done that. Thing, yeah, exactly. I mean, like I've written for our presentations and people have gone, "What the heck are you talking about?" So yeah, I think the anonymous thing. I don't. I, I've no, well, I don't know again of any other event outside of maybe Microsoft ones that is done based on an anonymous voting scheme. What I like um, about that is it also removes bias, right? So you're not making assumptions on who people are based on their name, like you said, but it removes any sort of gender bias, things like that as well, which I think is cool. Yeah, and also the community, like, I mean, the community is tight, right? And I, 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 I'm I, good friends with a number of people and I am, um, without actively choosing to, I might go to their sessions. Mm-hmm. And actually by taking that away, I can widen my own things that can go, actually, when I take the person out, I am I am interested in that, and I'm not interested in that, and I'm not I tailor my wants a bit more when I was picking the sessions, which then mean hopefully the track sessions should then follow a similar sort of pattern. So yeah, that was fun. That was also very fun in herding that many volunteers to do that that selection. So whilst there is benefits of it as an organizer, there was also negative of it because that was a whole lot of work to make sure people vote for thousands of sessions, which we're thankful that they all did that, and they did. So can you tell us more about who's voting for this? Like, what does that group of people look like? So the, the voters are the volunteers. So we put, um, before, I think before, is it before or after? We have a call for speakers out and we have a call for volunteers out, but they're not out at the same time. Um, so there is a chance that people will vote on their own sessions. You can probably tell your own session from the description. Fine, there's always going to be those crossovers and there's nothing we can do about that. But being a volunteer doesn't mean you want to talk. It doesn't mean you you know anybody. We are we don't, to a certain level, approve or deny volunteers. If you want to help, we've got that many jobs that you can help. I mean, it's wide. If you, if there's going to be. I can't even put a, uh, an estimate on quite how wide it goes. There's. I will know a very. I think we had a volunteer call last night, and I think I knew less than five percent of people on the call. So. Yes, it was as wide range as we can get it. We don't um, profile them, so we don't necessarily have a split of what they do and what they are. Maybe that's a thing to look at next year to go, well, it'd be an interesting thing to say that 10% of the people voting were end users and we got 10% end user tracks. It would be interesting to see that correlation. We don't have that this year, but it's the thing that we can think about for next year. Should next year happen, we're still undecided on that. So, yeah, it's anybody that wants to, really. That's great. And do you reserve any certain amount of sessions for new speakers or do those new speakers just like happen through the voting selection, like the selection process? So when people give, um, put their call for speakers proposal in, one of the options that we ask is, are you a new speaker? And generally, if they say yes and they are a new speaker, we will guarantee them a space um, because new speakers are so rare and what we I think what we were going to do was if we had too many to fit in two days we would just knock each session down by five minutes until they all fitted in um, within reason Um, and yeah it worked out well and I think we've got uh, there's a a Scottish MVP I think Paddy Byrne is 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 one of the guys that's helping train them up and give them tips and presentations and that sort of stuff to try and do it so it's nice to see them have the confidence to do it so new speakers are essentially guaranteed a guaranteed a place and they were exempt from the voting that's awesome it's great that you provide like support and mentorship and help them prep and stuff too like i think that's that's huge to give someone that opportunity 
it's terrifying given a, given your first talk. Um, the, the thing that I always um, make talking akin to is getting a tattoo, if you've ever had one, which is that you're nervous the first time you get it and there is a pain involved with it, but it's a weirdly addictive pain that you would go through again. And as time goes on and you get more and more tattoos, then you give more and more presentations. So it's it's a very tenuous link, but it's the way I've always given these presentations. And my first session was about, what, six, seven years ago? It was quite an interesting one was um, Britain's America's Got Talent sort of session where everyone had 10 minutes to talk about whatever they wanted within reason. And then the audience voted on their favourites. And then the winner of that got another 20 minute session to talk about it extended. So that was a nice little intro for speakers to coming in. Um, I think we called it the XRM factor. I like it. It's terrible yeah. puns. So, yeah. So I, we try, I've tried to get new speakers in for a while because I remember, I still remember what it's like for me. Yeah, I remember that first time. It was like five and a half years ago for me. I think I spent hundreds of hours preparing for that because I was just terrified. And now I spend a few hours just kind of gathering some thoughts, bullet points, and just ramble because it is scary. I know Marilyn's like laughing really hard, but yeah, I spent, I created like a script for myself for that first session and memorized it. It was terrifying. So I think it's cool whenever you offer support to new speakers. For me, there's there's one eureka moment that speakers need, which is don't be afraid to tell people that you don't know everything. And I think once you are confident in saying, I don't know, then actually in front of a room, if you can admit that, then that makes them give you respect because they go, oh, fine. And also it relaxes you that you don't give rubbish answers out and flap on the spot and not know how to react. I think for me, have it having that belief that I can say I don't know the answer just because I'm in front of a room changed the whole way I give presentations, I think. it's good advice. Yeah, and I think true. And I'm trying to remember back to my first presentation, which was longer ago than Ashley's. And I'm certain I did not prepare for hundreds of hours, but I do remember like copious amounts of sweating. Just like I was so sweaty before that first, like mm-hmm. stand in front of a room of people. And there were probably only like 30 people in this room. But it was terrifying until, yeah, I think you realize like it's okay if you don't know all of the answers to their questions. And then you can kind of relax a little bit and be like, oh, it's, it's actually fine. Like I can just tell them what I know, tell them what I don't know. Yeah. And help find out. But yeah. Did you actually prepare back then for sessions, Marlon? I still like... prepare now. I write down bullet points. <laughs> I spend at least 20 minutes writing down bullet points. <laughs> well, at least 15 minutes writing down bullet points. It's more than you do for the podcast, I'll say. <laughs> I, th- I think everyone's least favorite part of a talk, and it still is the case now, is, is the questions because you're not in control of where that's going to go. And I think that's the thing that scares people. So if you can have the confidence there, then the rest of it is all right. I like the questions because I feel like it gives a different perspective. And like, the I don't know, I think that's like sometimes when the most interesting content happens is when people ask questions. And I love it when like audience members start responding. Like if the speaker doesn't know, someone in the audience might know. And there's like this whole dialogue that can happen. And I think that makes that session that much more interesting than just someone sitting up there and lecturing. So I'm always disappointed when there's not very many questions because it just feels kind of dry. Yeah, a, spe- a speaker isn't the leader. A speaker is a conduit to bringing everybody together. A facilitator. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So anything else, Liz and Marlon, you wanted to know or ask about Scottish Summit? Matt, anything else you want to share? Any 
funny stories, stories, horror stories. Like which safe. ones are safe for a podcast? Well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's the question. It's no, it's funny. The whole thing started. I mean, look, when the Scottish Summit first started, I mean, if you've ever seen Mark Christie and Ian Connolly and who they are and what they do, I mean, ultimately, we are both the three of us are larger than average white bearded males with a shared passion in wrestling. So um, we, we got on well from the start and then we sort of snowballed and I joined the team and then other people joined the team and we all naturally sort of fit and do well. And Mark and Ian know what they're talking about. I mean, I come and talk, this is only the first year that I've really got involved. They've done some incredible work over the three years. Um, and I think if you go to the YouTube, every single session from the virtual session is still online. It's still online. It's still on YouTube. So there is hundreds of sessions there. Um, if you follow the Scottish Summit on Twitter, um, there is some amazing swag that can be shipped around the world. So there is scarves and there is hoodies and there is polos and there is all sorts of um, Scottish tartan swag. So you can get the real, the actual. So the the, the in fact, I don't know if this is out there commonly or not the actual tartan design that you see if you have a look at the the promo materials um that's officially registered to them as a business so that is officially the scottish summit tartan that is did you a... borrow an existing tartan or did you make your own so you can make your own so there is a there is i mean i'm not scottish so it's hard for me to tell and i'm going to do all the scots a bad name here so i'm sorry any scottish people that listen to this but you can register the official tartan so like there it, there is tartan's by design for and for a family so they have a family tartan and you can register new ones so they've registered their own scottish summit one so it is officially in a, a brand this isn't just a a design they've come up with it is officially recognized by scotland which is interesting i'm gonna ask wow. a really dumb question what's a tartan, tartan? it's the plaid like the kilt material Got yeah, it. like, like you're yeah, like, like, I had to yeah. ask for all the Americans and like that each have no idea. Scottish family has like a family, it's like your clan, like your your family has a tartan that's different colors yeah. and patterns, and yeah, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, so there's a big pink and blue one, is this one? Um the one other thing actually that I was gonna talk about that I've not got a chance, and I won't go for too long because I've already taught the ears of everybody so far. There's a big track on accessibility this year accessibility is becoming more and more of a big thing and i think mike hartley is massively involved in it and he's a big advocate for accessibility so there's a full accessibility track and we're really trying to make waves with that as well so if there's that seems becoming a thing i mean i only learned what a11y was back in october which is accessibility if anyone doesn't know that it's interesting and there is a whole thing there i think if if you need something to go to and you're not sure what to go to in a session, I think that accessibility track is game changing for the future. Um, so that's my one tip is that's the area to, to keep your eye out on. Awesome. Liz Merlin, any uh, other questions before we stump Matt on our last favorite question? Well, not about Scottish Summit, but I just want to call out that Matt, I think you're the first MVP we've ever had on as a guest speaker. And also, Ashley wanted to call out something in your background. <laughs> Do you want to share about it? Yeah, well, it's funny that we have Matt here because Matt's the one who nominated me as an MVP. You can see I actually just got it in the mail yesterday, so had to put it up. Was pretty excited about it. So huge thank you to Matt, first of all, for believing in oh. me. And we've worked together a lot over the last few years. Um, I've had as a client, I've used Data8, but then also just as friends. I mean, all the folks at Data8 are, are awesome. but 
really thank you. Big thank you to Matt. I'm going to try not to get emotional. It's all still like new and stuff. I was like crying, opening the box last night. Like, oh my God. So I didn't do anything. I filled the form and I sent it to you. You did all the work. <laughs> so the believing in me, that was, uh, that was awesome to thank you for that. So yeah, but Matt is our first guest. That's an MVP. Do you want to talk more just about what an MVP is for those people who maybe don't know? MVP is a way to fill your inbox and have lots more and lose all your spare time. Um, MVP um, is... I'm not sure I want it then. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's so true. Um, MVP is is an award given by Microsoft for people that do more than the average and trying to become a community advocate or leader or doing something that stands apart from the rest of the crowd. So it's just a way for Microsoft to recognise you and what you do and with that you are you're recognized by them you have the little you have a little um certificate and a little trophy and we will often talk to people within microsoft themselves and learn new things and that sort of stuff so it's just a way of them giving us a thank you for everything that we do for them because we talk community and it ultimately benefits them at the same time and everybody wins and it's a nice little thing um i never meant to get it i never I didn't work for it per se. I just did the things I enjoyed. And if that came along with the ride, then I'll, I'll, I'll take it for sure. But there was never a, a goal per se of aiming for it. I just did it what I enjoyed and did it with the people that I enjoyed doing it with. And one thing led to another. Um, I think that's the best way. I think that's the way it, you don't get burned out, right? Because I've seen people before they get MVP, but then they don't keep doing the things because it's like they were doing those things just to get it. And so I think if you are just doing what you're passionate about, and it's an outcome of that, that's that's the best way. Yeah, I mean, my, what mine started for me, which was three few things, which was talking about the things that I enjoy talking about in the hope that somebody else it will resonate with. Um, because like, like I said earlier, let's be honest, control my Xbox with Power Automate, nobody's going to be doing that in their job. However, it bring, if, if, if you read that in a sentence, you think, oh, that's interesting, I'll watch that. So I think that's what I was trying to do with that. Um, and then I started a blog, quite frankly, because I kept Googling the same things. And then I now Google the same things and up on my own blog posts. Um, so that's, yeah, I, honestly, do, I do this stuff for my own learning. If other people take away from it, great. If they don't, then it's no skin off my nose because I still learn from it. Yeah, I'll say that's, that's kind of why we started the podcast, right? Is Liz Merlin and I, like, we would just talk about some dynamic stuff. We'd text back and forth and you're like, oh, I wonder if other people would enjoy listening to us uh, just talk about stuff we enjoy. So it is really the best way to, share with the community i think the the, the the licensing guide for power platform is the perfect analogy for that scenario which is that no one reads that and no one understands it because it's huge and a mess and everyone is confused by it but then if you read blog posts and speak to people that understand it a bit more and you can take the bits that you care about from specific people who can translate that into language that you can talk about then it's beneficial and i think the wider power platform taking away from the license guide is the sort of thing that we try to do pick apart the bits I care about that I can do and someone else somewhere will care. I think that's a perfect plug. We had somebody on to talk about the licensing for the power platform and dynamics. And it was a hit with people because no one understands the license. It was one of our like highest viewed episodes, listen to episodes. So clearly that's a hot topic and people don't want to read the actual guide. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. So Liz Merlin, do one of you want to ask our I feel like we're going to stump Matt on this one because I don't know if this is like a... Merlin, you haven't said as much. Do you want to ask it? Sure. I will ask the final question. Matt, 
what is your favorite hot dish? And I will preface that with, do you know what I mean when I say hot dish? Did you mean food? Meal? <laughs> true. Okay. True. Yes. Is that not what you mean? That is what, that I, is mean. what I mean. It that is, is okay, what I fine. mean. Uh, so do you know what? It's funny you ask this, right? So there is a podcast in the UK called The Off Menu Podcast with two comedians in the UK. And their podcast is basically this idea of you can have any meal you want from anywhere in your life, from any restaurant, any point. What's your perfect start and main course? Breakfast. Uh, start and main course, dessert. Yeah. And I've been listening to this podcast for weeks. And every time I listen to it, I think, Ooh, what would mine be? And I still don't have an answer. So what would I pick right now? I would pick right now when I was fortunate enough that me and my wife got married in Vegas. Um, and when we went to Vegas, so we're not big. I mean, ironic that I'm on a podcast talking about this, that I'm not a big person. I used to be front of a room and talk to people, the irony in that. And we decided to both go to Vegas and just the two of us would go over there and get married which meant that we didn't do the full day thing. We didn't have evening plans and whatever. So an hour after we got married, I was on the strip in the baking hot sun in Vegas with a fat burger takeaway. So I would go back to that meal and have that fat burger meal. Do you remember where you got it from? Because we'll be in Vegas. So it was called, it was called fat burger. Okay. um, On the strip. It might not still be there. It's, some years ago, don't ask me how long I got married because I'll get told off because I get the wrong answer. So it was some years ago. Um, and yeah, it was there. So, I mean, yes, that's probably what, I, if I go back to any single meal, that's probably what I'd go back to. We'll have sorry. to look for it. But very long answer to a very short question. I'm sorry. It's all right. I appreciate the context. Well, thank you, Matt, seriously, for, for coming on um, and sharing, you know, more about Scottish Summit and yourself. Uh, we really appreciate you joining. So thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Dynamics Hot Dish Podcast. For additional content and previous episodes, check out our website at dynamicshotdish.com, follow us on Twitter at Dynamics Hot Dish, and subscribe to our podcast for notifications. Thanks. See you next time.